Good morning, everyone. My name is Josh Locke. I'm one of the elders here, and we're continuing our series, Looking Up, God's Design for Tough Times. And today I'll be continuing the, the series, Three Truths to Build Our Confidence in Christ. So three years ago, I'm walking on the beach with my son, William, um, who was about three at the time, and we go and he and I walk on the jetty together. And the jetty is the part of the beach where the rocks go out in the ocean. It separates like a boat channel from the beach. And, you know, there's some gaps in between the rocks, but, you know, nothing, nothing huge. But that whole time, we're walking, and he's just holding my hand as we go over every step, over every rock. Then the, the next year, last year, you know, we're walking, and he's gotten a little bit more confidence himself, and he's taking some steps, and he still needs my hand a bunch of the time. Uh, but, but if he wants to do it himself, he'll take a step over a rock, but he'll know that my hand is there, right there, ready for him to grab. And then this past year... Uh, we're at the beach, and we're on the jetty, and uh, I have to repeat the phrase a couple times, we don't run on the rocks, because he was uh, going a lot quicker than he had in years past, but he always knew that my hand was there to help him. My hand was here, there to catch him. You know, that, that's confidence. He had confidence in me, and you know, I believe that God wants us to have that confidence where, yeah, we can walk and we can grow in our abilities, but to know that his hand is right there, ready for us to grab if we need it. And... You know, the, the word kind of paints a, a, a poor picture of, of just trusting in ourselves. So if we look at Scripture, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Where Jesus in Matthew 26.41 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then Paul says in Romans 7.15, he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Right? And it's just left to our own selves. You know, sometimes we, we don't make the best choices, and, and on our own, it's not the best place to be. David tells us, though, in Psalms 57, 7, he says, My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. You know, and, and I think our lives would look differently if we knew that God's hand was there. And we had confidence in that. And this series is all about shifting our focus and looking up at the Father. And today we're looking at some three pretty basic principles, three truths about who God is and how they apply to us today. But, but they're foundational for us as we walk. My God cares for me. My God is always with me. He helps me. And my God is still working in me. Let's pray. So Father, thank you that your word is a blueprint for our lives, that it guides us for where we need to go, and God, that you, you continually speak to us. Would you let the truth of your word and of who you are resonate deep within our souls, that we would have that confidence to know that you are there, that your hand is there to help us along the way. And thank you that your word leads us to that point. Amen. Amen. So the first point, my God cares for me. You know, I, all of us have a different picture of God, and it might be slight. It might be, you know, just a little different than what you or I have, but I, a, lot of our, a lot of our picture of God is derived from our challenges, our upbringing, the circumstances of life that we've gone through, uh, just situations, inputs, people speaking to us. And, and yet the Bible paints us a very clear picture of God and of who God is to us. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all of your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, 
For he faced all the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. Now, we have a God who understands what we need, who understands what we go through. And lastly, Psalms 118.6. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? You know, the Word gives us a clear picture of God. And the, the principle here that God cares for us, it really can carry out to just who God is to us. You know, growing up, I, I went through life with a distorted picture of God because, you know, the enemy is very clever at what he does, and his game plan is very simple. It's to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so there, there are people here, and there are people listening who have lies they're believing about God. And I, I had that growing up. So I, I, I believed that before I could go to God and pray, before I could go to God and read the Bible, I had to be good enough. I had, I had to have not have sinned recently. And it was detrimental to my, to my walk and my life. And it was negatively impacting me. And it wasn't until I had people some, speak some truth into my life and I, I dove into the Word, and uh, specifically Ephesians 2, where you know, I memorized that portion of Scripture, I, I read it, and God changed my heart to understand it's not by what I do that I can go to God, so that I can go to Him freely. It's by what Christ has done for us. And so you know, Jesus calls this out and asks a question to all of us. He says in Matthew 16, 13 to 15, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, well, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? You know, who we say God is can have a positive or negative impact on our life. And, you know, for me, I had a picture of God that wasn't accurate, that, wasn't, that didn't hold up to the Word of God. And I believe that there are people here who are the same way, that there's you know, something in our lives that, that is not accurate for who God is, and that can erode our, our relationship with Him. Because who God is, how we answer that question, who do you say God is, is foundational for us. It's foundational for our walk. And so, you know, the way that you clarify that image and build up that picture is by going to the source, by going to the Word of God. That was instrumental in me clarifying that picture for God. And, um, you know, I, I looked on the, the Bible app to find different reading plans that talk about, you know, who is God? What does the Bible say about God? What does the Bible say about Jesus? Because we can hear things, and if, you, if you've been in the church for any time, you can hear people say, well, God's good. He loves you. He cares about you. He's there for you, right? And, and it's all great to hear, but knowing in your heart is a different story. And going to the blueprint, the, the Word of God, builds up that, that biblical literacy and understanding it more. So my first challenge would be, you know, God cares for us. What, who do you say God is? My God is there with me. He helps me. You know, we have a God who's there with us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And then Psalms 46, 1. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Now, there's just something about the presence of God that makes a difference. Even in our lives, there's something about our presence that makes a difference. If my kids have a bad dream 
or are afraid of something, just the fact that my wife or I would be there with them, it makes a difference, right? What, what do we do when someone experiences a loss, right? We go to the wake. We go to a funeral because showing up matters, because being there matters. I was uh, looking out my windows preparing for this message, and my neighbor just, just he lost his wife a couple years ago, but he recently lost his son. And the, car, the street was just lined with cars of people showing up because presence makes a difference and presence matters. And the word tells us that we have an ever-present help in trouble. You know, God is there with us as we walk through whatever we walk through. And, you know, I, I was cautioned by the Holy Spirit in preparing for this that you know, there might be a couple, of, uh, couple questions that come up as you hear this. And, and just to be realistic and, and to be sensitive, you know, I, I would humbly bring these up. So the first is, there might be people here who say, well, where was God when this happened? Right? Where was God when this happened to me? Where was God when I had to walk through this? Right? And, and you know, I, I, I think back to a time where I was, I was talking with a friend of mine whose brother had just committed suicide. And he was obviously devastated. And you know, this, this, these questions come up, like, where is God? Where was God in that? And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have that answer. I know what the Bible says. But what we did is we just went to God humbly and said, God, where are you? You know, I've done this in my life, and, and this is what I would encourage you. If you're asking that question, that's a good question to ask. It's okay to ask that question, to say, God, where were you? And I would encourage you, take some time and just be alone or be with, be with someone that you trust in the, in the Lord and ask God that question. God, where were you when I walked through this? Because I believe that people here are thinking that. Um, and, and I also believe that, just like the Word tells us, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And God wants to bring freedom from that to show you that He, he is with you. The second question that comes up is, how do I know God will show up? How do I know He'll be there? Right? I can read all this, but how do I know he's going to be there for me and help me? I would encourage you to look back, to look back on your life and see, where has God shown up before? If I were to share my testimony with you about when I accepted Jesus and that became my own faith, I would share about a time when I was at a worship service, and it was the first time that I'd ever felt anything in, in music and in worship, and I, I just felt the presence of God. Or when I was just sitting alone in my bed, and just weeping, listening to a worship song, and God just breaking my heart. Or when I was baptized after all of that and you know, made the decision to, to be public and, and proclaim my faith. You know, these, these moments where we can look back our stakes in the ground, where we can see God was there with us. So go back, write them down. I was convicted about this verse this summer. Psalms 106, 12 and 13 says, And they believed his promises and sang his praise. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. Right? We don't want to be the people who forget. It's, it's very easy to have a great mountaintop experience with God and then forget about it. Right? Why is that? You know, I, I think we, we as a people can do a, a better job of writing it down, looking back, to remember that God is there and he has been there with us as we go through. So my God is there with us. And then lastly, my God is always working in me. Philippians 1.6, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, is faithful and he will do it. I use this, this acronym, WIP, at work. I, I draft these the plans, and um, I often don't finish them in one sitting, and so I just write WIP when I'm working on them, and it stands for work in progress. You know, as believers, we are all works in progress. Growing up, I had a pastor who would say, do you know what happens when a jerk gets saved? You have a saved jerk. You know what that means? That means it's not like everything is perfect as soon as you get saved and accept Christ. It's not like everything gets fixed. Is that right? Do we still have trouble and challenges? Are we still not perfect? Yeah. Right? It, but our, from the moment that, that we have Christ, he is working in us. And that process is called sanctification. That's what we see in First uh, Thessalonians 5 and, and even the, the verse before, the chapter before. It says, the will of God is that we be sanctified. Right? God's call in our life is sanctification, to be made holy. And that's the work that he's doing in us. I, I'm amazed where, you know, I, I've been a Christian for, you know, decades, and, and yet there are still things that God points out in me that I need to work on. And it's not like I, I, I just suddenly picked up that behavior, but it's that God in this moment is saying, okay, Joshua, let's deal with this. Right? That's sanctification where God is working in us. And God works in us. Uh, that's a good thing that he's working in us. It means we don't have to be perfect, but it also means that we have some work to do. Um, so as, as I was you know, reflecting and, and praying about this week, this message, uh, Nate Allen kept coming to mind. And Nate Allen is the, the, the guy who comes up here and plays violin, right? We know him. He does a great job. Um, he, he just kept coming to my mind. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure what this is. We'd had a conversation a couple months ago in church, and I didn't even really remember the conversation. But I, I sent him a text because it, I just was like, I feel like this is the Holy Spirit, like, wanting me to, to bring this up. So I texted him. I said, hey, uh, you know, you keep coming to mind as I'm, as I'm preparing. Uh, could we just chat and, you know, I tell you what the message is about and you, you just, you know, we can talk. And so he said, yes, we talked on the phone and I shared, shared the, the message and just a, a rundown of that. And he, you know, he has a testimony he wants to share. And so I wanted Nate to come up and, and share his testimony with what, what's been going on in his life uh, and, and to demonstrate this. So Nate, do you want to come up? Thank you, Josh. All right. Yeah, I'm definitely a work in progress, and I'm doing it afraid, as Joyce Myers says. So here we go. I received Christ at a children's retreat after hearing a message about hell and John 3.16. A few years later, I met Jesus in a more tangible way. I was losing sleep due to some reoccurring nightmares, And in response, my mom told me to pray to Jesus every night as I fell asleep. The nightmares stopped. Fast forward through the ups and downs of middle school, high school, college, and post-college years. In the aftermath of some difficult relational and religious tragedies and disappointments, I started reading the four Gospels from a more critical and questioning perspective. It was at this dark time in my life that I visited a prayer meeting, and while I was praying there, there was a laying on of hands, and as a result, something in me changed. 
After the meeting, I went home to find that I had left the windows to my room open, and the wind had blown my Bible's pages to Psalm 32, a psalm of repentance and of turning to God's mercy and grace. I told God, I am done trying to do things my way, and if you can get any good thing out of me, please do it. At that moment, there was a peace that swept over me like I had never experienced before. After that, reading the Bible made a lot more sense. I had an increasing desire to seek the inner peace that I experienced while close to the Lord. In a way, my journey had just started a new chapter, and there, was a, there were more mountaintop experiences and dark valleys to come. A few years later, while in a very dark valley, I was forced to seriously reconsider what my confidence was truly in. And again, during, during this past quarantine, I did a lot of wrestling with the Lord in this area of confidence. The pandemic has shown me that when normal, quote-unquote, is stripped away, ultimately confidence is not found in what this world has to offer. Desperation is the setup for revelation. And in the world of 2020, I have come to realize more than ever before, that God is the only rock that I can put my trust or confidence in. In an increasingly relativistic and changing world, God is the only constant. And thankfully, God promises that he is always a good constant. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father of light, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God used the quarantine to get my attention in an unusual way, and the result was increasing saturation in God's word, spending some extensive time in restful peace and meditation with him, and in singing and writing some new hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. A few things that God has been especially working on me lately include working to overcome critical attitudes, being more encouraging to others, and abiding in Christ to be my source of joy and peace. Psalms 146 says, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men, who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed, and he gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Nate. Very good. Thank you.
So a couple things uh, that, that I heard Nate share. You know, he, he said that God is the only rock. God is his constant. Right? That's the journey he's been on. And he's been saved for a while. Right? God is still working in him. God is still sanctifying him to make him holy. Uh, and how did he get there? It was through diving into the word. It was through praying. It was through worshiping. Right? He shared with me, he, he wrote out his whole testimony. And it was through looking back. Right? That, that's how he, he builds that confidence and recognizes that God is working in him. So what does this mean for us? So for this week, this week, I, I would encourage you, I would challenge you to take some time and just to, to hear what is the Holy Spirit saying to you. You know, my God cares for me. You know, ask God for clarity about our picture of who he is. And go to the source, go to the word, find a reading plan. Email the church, I'll, I'll help you find a reading plan. Uh, but find a way to get into the Word of God. You know, God is there with me. You know, take time to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If you were questioning that, if that was you, then that's okay. And I would even say that God wants you to question that because He wants to answer you. His Word tells us that He brings freedom. So look back, reflect, where has God shown up? Maybe that's something you can share with your small group. Or, or with someone that you know. Where has God shown up before? Right? Maybe it's writing it down to help you remember. And God is working in me. Now, where is God working in you right now? Maybe that's something you share. Maybe that will help you be accountable to, to tell a friend or a spouse or a parent. Where is God working in you? And then what can you do to take steps forward? I have learned that if I feel like God is saying something to me, right? if, I, if I feel like I, I understand what he's saying, that's half of it. The other half is, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to move forward? And that's what God wants us to do, and that's called sanctification. That's the process he has us on. So three truths that we can build our confidence in Christ, that we can have a solid rock to stand on. Let's pray. So Father, this week, I, I ask that for the body of this church, whether they're here, they're online, wherever they are, that God, you would bring the true picture of who you are, and that if we're believing a lie, that you would help us identify that and remedy that with your word. God, I thank you that you show up, that you are there with us, that you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. And I thank you, God, that we are all works in progress, that you're still doing a work in us, God, and it's okay. Would you help us to take action and take steps forward for that? Pray your blessing, your peace, your joy to be on the body. We thank you, God, that you're always with us. And that, like your word says, that we know your voice. So we move forward in that confidence and that truth. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. If you'd like prayer for anything, feel free to come up.